Hi everyone, uh, welcome back. It's been a little while, sorry about that. Hope everyone's doing good. And welcome to a different kind of episode about some personal unique history about my grandfather, who was called Edward, who came from mining stock, was a teacher, and experienced World War II. So I wanted to share his stories, inspired by my realisation that the potential to record history directly from veterans is declining. My grandfather himself died in 2013 at age 95. On the other side of my family, my grandparents were children during the war. So I am lucky to have heard my grandfather's stories directly from him and from his son, my dad. Many people my age, and definitely younger, don't have that same potential. So I want to record some of his story, of course, as all history is, some of this is easily verifiable and some of it isn't, just to keep in mind. Edward was born on 11th of November 1918. If that sounds familiar, that is because this is the day World War I ended, almost this day. Edward was born into mining stock. His father spent 57 years working in Atlantic Shire coal pits. However, Edward quickly showed his academic ability at primary school. Primary school being where you went from about 5 to 11 years old if you're not from the UK and you just wanted to know. My grandfather clearly showed talent that he could go to high school. However, he doubted he'd be able to afford it. Uh, specifically the blazer that was necessary for you to purchase to go to the high school. However, his father was determined that his son was not going down the pits and somehow the family managed. Edward went to Glasgow Commercial College, now Strathclyde University, from where he graduated in 1939 with a diploma in commerce. During all of his studies at school and college, his father, despite long shifts at the coal mine, insisted on staying up with him making him tea and ensuring that he gained the qualifications necessary to keep him out of the pits. Though I know little about my grandfather, my great-grandfather, I know he worked hard in the grilling conditions of the coal mines and went above and beyond to make sure my grandfather was able to improve his life opportunities. Without this effort, my dad might not have had as many opportunities and I might trick it down onto me. So I'm incredibly grateful for all the work that's been put in. Following Edward's graduation, war had broken out across Europe. He was exempt from military service as he was due to go to teacher training college, teaching being one of the professions where men were safe from war. Even with Edward undoubtedly being aware of the horrors of World War I, he postponed his training and bravely enlisted in October 1939. So would begin six years active service, first in the 11th Battalion Highland Light Infantry, and then in the 1st Lovians and Border Yeomanry. Edward and the 11th Battalion were first moved towards the war in early May 1914, as the British looked to evacuate from France. Edward and the battalion were, were to protect a vital 40-mile stretch of coastline just east of London, from Southend-on-Sea to Harwich. Nazi invasion of the UK was considered highly likely. My grandfather was given about 60 rounds and told to make every bullet count. My grandfather told me that him and the battalion thought that they only had about a month life expectancy before they'd be killed during a Nazi invasion. During this time, a kind and very fierce lady by the name of Evelyn was working at an air control tower in Suffolk, just a few miles north of my grandfather. Evelyn was being prepared on how to act accordingly as a lady to the Germans if they captured her post. Evelyn disagreed with this light-stepping and apparently was scolded for threatening to drop heavy machinery out of the window onto their captains. 
Evelyn would unsurprisingly be my grandmother one day. Uh, I'm not sure if they met as my grandfather's moved south towards the coast, or if it was after his service in Europe. That's something I'll need to try to find out. However, fortunately, the battle for Britain was won poorly in the skies as the Royal Air Force managed to repel the Luftwaffe. The failure to obtain air superiority would stop the German advance to Britain, as it would be considered a necessity in invading Britain. As the 11th Battalion were transformed in 1942 to an armoured division, my grandfather was moved to the 1st Lothians on Border Yeomanry as infantry. His group were attached to the 30th Armoured Brigade, the 79th Armoured and the 79th Armoured Division. Edward was preparing for D-Day. Luckily for my grandfather, his infantry were not part of the 6th of June initial D-Day landings. They landed in Normandy a month later on the 12th of July. A colleague of his, James Douglas Scott, wrote in his diary the feeling of the Lovians, which was probably shared by my grandfather. They were thankful for a quiet landing, as the scenes of horror that were first that the first landing troops endured were visible to them upon landing. Bodies and wrecked vehicles everywhere. My grandfather did talk a lot about the war to me and to my dad, uh, but he never specifically mentioned anything that scared him or he found disturbing or upsetting. And I do wonder how he would have felt when he saw this upon landing and if there's a reason he never spoke to my dad about it. Their peace was short as they participated in the battle for Con. Alongside the Canadians, during the weekend surrounding the 18th of July, British forces suffered over 4,000 casualties and almost 500 tank losses, about 36% of the British tanks in France. Luckily, Edward preserved until Canada and Britain succeeded in taking Con. As the armoured divisions moved towards Belgium to take Valkyrin Island, Edward moved towards Germany, where he would partake in the Battle for the Bulge, or Battle off the Bulge. A German counter-offensive powered by 450,000 troops, one of the largest and bloodiest battles fought in World War II. Following victory at the Battle of the Bulge, Edward would continue to advance towards Berlin, encountering fighting and resistance along the way. One story he told me that sticks out to me was in the town of Göttingen. As they fought through the village, they got to the town square, where heavy fighting ensued. A group of American troops took aim at a goose girl statue in front of the town hall, and they prepared to destroy it, perhaps to lower enemy morale and also as revenge for some of the losses that had been inflicted on them. Edward recalled that he looked at them and he pointed his rifle, stating if they shot the statue, he would shoot them. I guess he took a liking to the statue, and he held a, a, a fierceness. This fierceness was probably one he saw and appreciated in my grandmother, Evelyn. Edward's skills as a commerce graduate were also quickly appreciated and used. Outstandingly fast as a typist, and also skilled in shorthand, he was a stenographer during the interrogation of a German general, von Mantufel who surrendered on the 3rd of May. One of Edward's observations during this interrogation that scared him, this is one thing he did speak to me about, was the interrogator's questions. They mainly asked about the Germans' time fighting and fighting the Russians. They wanted information on how to fight the Russians. This made Edward fear having, the, having to fight Russia following the capture of Berlin. Luckily, this would not to be. 
Edward is involved in the typing of the communication sent out on May 5th, 1945, giving the order to cease fire following victory in Europe. The interesting little connection here is that Edward was born on the day World War I ended, and he was involved in ending, well, communicating the end of the Second World War. During his service in France, Belgium, and Germany, Edward reached the rank of sergeant. He was awarded a number of commendations, including one from Field Marshal Montgomery, one that he was very proud of. After the war was over, Edward spent another six months at Gutening on the Rhine, where he taught army staff commercial skills to equip them for post-war life. Edward went on to be a teacher, and eventually a principal in commerce at a high school. He was utterly convinced of the power of education to improve lives and raising living standards, like much like how education had impacted him. He practiced what he preached in the context of his own family and was immensely proud of the fact that all four of his children had gained honours degrees, two at Edinburgh and two at Glasgow. He liked to spread knowledge outside of academics too. He played football into his 40s, and when he retired from that, he took up judo, achieving a brown belt. He then proceeded to run classes for teaching his colleagues and for Movoa and Wishaw Police. He was also commandant of the Wishaw branch of St Andrew's Ambulance Corps for many years, lecturing on and dis demonstrating first aid every Sunday. He helped tend to injured football fans during the 1961 and 1971 Ibrox football stadium disasters. In the 1971 disaster, 66 fans were crushed by collapsing benches. His service beyond the college duty was recognised when he represented St Andrew's Ambulance at the Festival of Remembrance in the Royal Albert Hall. Overall, I'm immensely proud of my granddad. Um, I just feel his story should be shared and also recorded. You know, he's done so much throughout his life. And he had so many more funny stories that I haven't put in here that I would like to like write down or something because they do deserve to be recorded. Um, and that is really the end of my little talk about my granddad's story. I wanted to keep it fairly short, like under 15 minutes, uh, just to give a brief overview. Uh, also because it was hard to figure a lot of his story out. I knew certain points of his journey through Europe and I had to connect the dots by finding uh, online diaries and history on the different divisions that he was in and where they were posted and whatnot. So it was actually pretty difficult, but I really enjoyed it. It was really fun to research those kind of things. So I really hope you enjoyed my little personal unique history episode. I have a couple of afterthoughts, I guess, about this. Um, I've definitely realized as I was writing this, and just over time, you know, as life goes on, there's more and more um, cases, including with my dad as well, where as I've gone older, I've been like, damn, I really wanted to ask them about this or that, or that's something new that's interested me as I've gone older that I want to share with them. And you just can't, you know, so it's, it's a shame. Um, so it's good to make use of the time you have with the people that you love and the people that are special to you. And that everyone, including your parents or your grandparents, whatever, probably has some pretty interesting history behind them. Maybe when we're older, uh, living through COVID will be an interesting topic that people would want to know about. Um, so yeah, make the use of that kind of time. And that is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoy, have a lovely day, and this is me signing off.